Hello there, you silly hemp nut. Welcome to the New Hemp Times podcast recorded at Gotham Studio, the sweetest smelling studio in the world. Woo! Yeah. All right. My name right. is Jayhan Marco. I've been researching cannabis for over a decade, and we are in the studio with Dr. Jan Roberts, licensed clinical social worker. Say hello. Hello, everybody. Hey, Doc. Hello. Also, uh, the unapologetic Me-ho. farmer, Randy Cameron Jr., actor, comedian. Everybody. What's and up? How are we doing? We're great. We're good. Yeah. Well, today is July 17th, 2019, and we are continuing our ongoing coverage of the cannabis bonanza. Wow. And here to kick us off with the check-in, Dr. Roberts. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone. Hey, guys. Hey, our fellow hemp nuts. Hope you're doing great out there in the sweltering heat. We are here back with this little fun um session, I guess, today of it's been so long since we've actually been together as a group, and I feel so disconnected from my compadres. So I just wanted to kind of see how are we doing, what's going on in your hemp universe, and, yeah. and what's what's up? What's up, Brandon? So it's been three weeks since, it, so it's it's weird. We're getting back together. We and um, each other. I know. But we got a lot done, and I <laughs> uh, can't wait to tell our our supporters and folks and friends about what's going on. So you're um, feeling pretty good these days. Uh, I feel good physically. Good. A little peed off about the greenhouse <laughs> oh. and who stomped on my damn greenhouse in Brooklyn. I'll be farmer. There's a farmer looking for somebody. But uh, <laughs> other than that, we're groovy. Wait, so, let, so let's tell people this is something that happens all the time. You all had time. equipment and yep. someone broke in, stole stuff. What happened? Right. So I, I don't want to say which one it was, but the lock was open <laughs> in New York City. So <laughs> you guys, smart. yeah, you guys could call it however you want to call it. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I haven't done a full inventory. We'll do that tomorrow mm-hmm. and see what's up. But uh there's insurance on this stuff, so it'll be taken care of. So you always that. have that positive attitude. Got about to. Things. I can't lose sleep over it. And you had a good vacation. You were good in the vacation. Cave? Good. Caught fish. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Farmer Rand catches fish. Farmer Rand always catches fish. Got if, to. if you guys could see what he's wearing, he always <laughs> wears this cool necklace with a hook on it. So yeah. it's like I don't know if he's trying to like trap hey. people in his mm-hmm. necklace or what, or but it sounds like a good thing. Yeah. Cool. So, Jayhan, how are you, buddy? Oh, I think I finally recovered from that week in China. And wow. Touring and conferencing. Uh, that was, uh, that, that took a lot out of you. Going there was easy. It was quite an adrenaline rush being it there. Was. But coming back, I had like a thousand emails. <laughs> <laughs> really? I mean, yeah, it was insane. You know, a lot of it was probably spam. Um, and then just like catching up on work products. I mean, you come back from China where regulations are just beginning. And then here it's like we have the the FDA testimony that finally mm-hmm. ended on July 16th. So it's just been kind of a busy time. So, and yeah. you, you submitted something to the FDA, right? Yes. Uh, on behalf of our institute, we submitted a public commentary Um you know, providing the FDA some resources we think they should include and alerting them that, that like, hey, we're here. We're able to help. We've worked on committees that developed standards before. Mm-hmm. You know, we've provided advising on regulatory issues related to cannabis. Hey, you know, we're here to help and support you and make this happen as quickly as possible. Yeah. Uh, regulating hemp and CBD. Just for folks who don't know, when you say we're here. Oh, I'm talking about the International Research Center on Cannabis and Mental Health. Thank and you. also, you know, all cannabis enthusiasts. Awesome. I think, I think awesome. they should just have one big public committee. Yep. It's like 
every person who submitted comment, like all 4,000 or how many, it's like 3,500. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was hard to tell. I checked at 10 and there was almost 4,000 submissions. Um, so, yeah, he wrote wow. a great piece. I, I wow, read it wow. last night and he did a fantastic job. Do you feel like you're kind of getting your body back on track after being away from China so much? You know, a little back? bit, a little bit. It, it's still sometimes I still wake up at three in the morning thinking I'm late for has it. your Mandarin improved? <laughs> it, it has. It has. Uh, I know. It's like now I know the difference between Chinese hemp and just regular cannabis. There's Da Ma, which is regular cannabis and Han Ma, which specifically refers to uh, Chinese hemp. We were so excited about that. And I know we'll talk about this in a little bit. Uh, a couple of words that we've talked about here on New Hemp Times, we were able to use over there. So it was kind of fun. Like Wait, Hongma. You mean our slang like, words? Yeah. yeah. The words you for the day. You introduced the word to the well, day. Yeah, of course we did. To our fans that didn't realize what's going on, you know, there might be some new yeah. folks chiming in and didn't realize that. Um our heavyweights on the set on the team went to China last week, <laughs> in case you didn't hear on the street. Yeah. Dr. Jalen, Dr. Jahan had an amazing trip to China, and we're going to get into a little bit of details of it. Yeah. Um, to anybody did not realize that. So this is the aftermath and the recap <laughs> of our yes. adventures. The denouement yeah. of it all. Exactly. Oh. But, uh, Jan, how do you feel after oh, the geez, trip? Louise. Uh, you know, you were kind of oh risking God. life and limb. You have that Tibet tattoo on your arm and you're going <laughs> to China. A little thug. Oh, I, thug I, wrist. I know. Yeah. I realized that. And I, I had to keep myself from yelling out words that I shouldn't. Um, I, I really had a hard time coming back. I, my body let me down. <laughs> I thought it was just really bad jet lag, but I think, um, we we I caught something either midair or as we were leaving Beijing, and I've I've been sick, but I'm slowly out of the antibiotic phase. The fever's pretty much gone. Yesterday I had a low grade fever, but I'm back. Did you really? Yeah, Damn. I missed. I I know I got so sick at the office on Friday. Jeez. Both Ron and Jayhan were just like, "Oh my God, please leave." But um, <laughs> but I'm back. You know, I I missed you guys. I'm. It was such a shock. I think we were on adrenaline. For some, for so long when we were in China, that the coming back was like a one-two punch with your body getting used to the sleep and then getting sick and just that whole like, oh shit, we have so much to do kind of thing. It was a little scary, and I'm still trying to play catch up. Yeah, mm. well, because you didn't have like internet access there. You did, but you didn't, and you had to yeah. use VPNs, virtual private networks, and okay. turn them on. But sometimes they get overloaded or have to be reset. So you'd be like, oh, I have Google now. Oh, now I don't. Oh, I've got, you know, social media sites. Now I don't. And it's kind of a weird reality to live in where there's so much censorship and kind of like a different culture, different way of behaving. Like I was like, I'm not jaywalking here. You yeah. know, <laughs> it was, I'm not even a spit or jaywalk. So we no I, cursing. I know we wanted to kind of talk about yeah. our trip and what we learned as it relates to hemp and China and international affairs. And I have to say. I felt the spirit of my compadres here at New Hemp Times while we were there. You nice. know, Randy, yeah. I, I think that you, you know, we met a lot of people, um, some from the U.S., some from other parts of the world, a lot from Asia. And just it was a mind blowing experience. We were actually guests of the People's Republic of China. So they paid for us to come go there through um, this conference. And it was the largest hemp conference in China that's ever been held. It was standing room only. It, it was culturally such a different 
experience than anything I've ever experienced. So my compadres were guests of the government. Yeah. Yeah. When you see the People's Republic um, organized by Yeah, so when like I went leadership. on a tour, they took some of us, uh, you had the option to go visit hemp farms and factories. And this northwest region of China, they've been cultivating hemp for you know, 10,000 years. So it's part of the culture there in a weird way. Um, but we had an official government delegation. So these little minivans with police cars, police diverting the road and like telling us where to go and stuff. It was it was pretty wild. I'd never kind of been a part of that. You know, so in our van is like two people who used to work for the Canadian government. Um, some of the CEOs of the Chinese hemp companies. We visited like factories as well as like you saw those pictures of the huge sprawling swaths and hectares. Of and we're going to post farm. those pictures because yeah. you the folks are, you know, it's going to blow your mind. When I was you uh, standing yeah. under Someone. a hemp plant, yeah. like seven feet tall. It was. And the size of those. <laughs> so so give me an estimation and we'll set it up. I mean, we keep on saying we're going to. But, but your visit it. to the hemp. Yeah, we're in the middle yeah. of it so, now. Yeah, that was part of How the big was that damn I've never seen a, a a field of hemp that it looked like a forest of green that was. It was thousands of hectares. So, I mean, it was huge. It's hard to imagine it, but we're talking um, probably like almost like eight, maybe 10 football fields you're looking Easy. at. Yeah. Wait, can Easy. I, can I, I just say this, though, that we were in the northeast region of the country. And it's known for farming. And so when we literally arrived into Harbin, we're, we're picked up by drivers. And on the way in, there's this huge billboard that basically says, welcome to the hemp capital of China, Harbin. So they're announcing this huge piece that they're so proud of the fact that they're growing hemp and what it can do for the country and for you know the world at large. But what we found was that there was such a lack of information around hemp. You know, there was on the industrial side, I think they had talked a lot more about uses, but there were certain things that Jehan and I, we take for granted here in the States that we're having conversations around like the endocannabinoid system or the entourage effect that a lot of people didn't know about. So so the uh, that sign that you were saying yeah. that the town of, of Habin, Harbin. Harbin has, has uh, adopted this industry yeah. it's basically feeding the uh industrial hemp fiber um industry is that correct because there's oh yeah they had uh factories making all sorts of different planters and pallets mm -hmm. for construction mm -hmm. in buildings and gardening and things like that they had the largest twine factory yep. <laughs> ever seen yep um it was a kind of amazing uh the volume of hemp that they were going through um and then that's when I was like, oh, man, it seems like they would process all the hemp in the world if they were operating 24 hours a day. And yeah. someone's like, well, this is the largest like in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they've got to be processing machines that aren't used here in the States because they've got lines of finished product that, as yeah. you said, pallets and used like to sell clothing and fiber still used in some of like in ships and things like that. And, and China, you know, they they have it down. They've been doing it forever. I mean, yeah. they used to they used it in warfare for like their bows, yep. arrows. Mm -hmm. I thought of you when I, I found out that they used to use it for fishing, like yep. hemp fiber. Yes. They made fishing lines out of yeah. it because a lot of China started as states settled near large bodies of water. So. Yeah. 
hemp and fish are like exactly <laughs> and martial arts which is another passion of ours and right. and um and also with the new york thing where while um you know, I was like our our missing compadre Greer, who's you know culturally entwined with with Asian culture, and uh, I know he has plenty of questions. Oh. That he, like, yeah, he I pose, brought a little pair of Bruce Lee shoes we just really? saw on the market. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, they're like made from awesome. a company like two hundred years old, like right. the little black oh. top with the rubber bottom. Yes, we totally forgot to bring our little apothecary gifts. Oh no, oh, I did brought you mine. Bring, oh, oh, did you? Oh, you got to show, oh, show yeah. a little show and tell. So now. first off, we were in. So we were in Beijing. Yeah, and you have to understand, we missed our flight um, out yeah. of Harbin to Beijing because, yeah. or they delayed it because. There was, it was monsoon season. So Beijing Airport actually closed down. I think there were 23 flights that had been delayed. So we missed yeah. our connector back to U.S. So we stayed in Beijing. And Jehan and I, <laughs> I was like, Jehan, if we're going... If Hold we're going to be second. here from four to in the morning until yeah. eight at night waiting for our flight. We might as well go into the city. Is that how you did it? Yeah, yeah. of course. I drank like two like frapp- Chinese Frappuccinos and had some ginseng <laughs> and, and I hit the town. <laughs> and so, and so, well, we got, you know, I got a hotel, he got a hotel room. We stayed in this really nice area near the Forbidden City and we could just walk there. So... Our last day in China, we were in Beijing and touring and his feet were killing and we had no luggage because it was checked and we had no clothes. So we were like, I know the night before I was in the shower at like 3 a.m. washing my clothes because I, I needed to have clean clothes, but his feet were hurting. So we went into this Chinese shoe store and both of us got brand new pairs of Chinese shoes and mine are so kick-ass. They're red and have dragons all over them. Are those them. the ones you wore at, uh, yeah, the-, at the office? <laughs> Are you laughing at a my Chinatown shoes? I've seen shoes? those in Chinatown. Well, I got them where they were made, in, damn it. Okay, so they're yeah. a little fresher. <laughs> and I had to try on like six pairs because they're handmade, so they like all fit differently. They yeah. weren't used to such a large foot. The left foot. felt a little different than the right one. <laughs> but they weren't used to, they were all handmade, supposedly. And they weren't uh, used to Jehan's feet. It was hard foot, to find shoes foot. that would fit it. I tried to buy like their knockoff version of Nike's, whatever company that is, or Adidas. You know, it's like, those are some wild shoes. A pair of those would be fun. And like they're like, oh, we, we don't make them that that size. Like we stop at the size like ten or something. Are there American knockoffs in China? They, they yeah. look, yeah. Randy, they I'm, were so ugly. The shoes he almost bought. I'm so glad they didn't have his size. I didn't have the heart to tell you. No, they were they were hideous. <laughs> I was like, they were comfortable. They look comfortable, and they were inexpensive. And I was like, wow, these are the ugliest sports <laughs> shoes I've ever seen. Ever these, seen. They're but kind I of amazing, them, really. But I, I want to see if I have them in my size. <laughs> But we had oh so God. many adventures. We yeah. really did. And 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 I think Jayhan and I kept like pinching ourselves like we are here because of cannabis. Holy yeah. cow. How lucky are we to have these experiences and meet the kind of people that we've met and and really forge relationships internationally that we wouldn't have had otherwise. And, and not a joint was smoked. No, no. no. Which we, is important because Yeah. Yeah. The you guys are pioneers and they're doing pioneer work. This is, you know, yes. talking about opening up industry, opening up yeah. other. Uh, and, and you're I, absolutely right. Yeah, it was the China International Hemp 
industry and, forum. And, and let's so get into that a little bit because industry. that was like, yeah. that looked like Miss America pageant type <laughs> shit. I'm <laughs> like, well, what's up with the soundtrack on this? And so they had this huge like LCD okay. and like LED light display. Uh, it was it was like really kind of magnificent and bright. Like it looked like a futuristic game show. I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> and so in the very, very, very front row, you have all these big, huge like wingback la- chairs. Yeah, like, like- la- giant lazy boys for all the government officials. But they're like, you know, six foot high chairs and there's people like sitting right behind that. So. Audience behind. Yeah. I can't see them. And can- then you guys, so the st- just to paint it for the folks, I guess it's a, a huge mm-hmm. auditorium. Yeah. 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 The stage. It's- with Just a giant huge. screen. I mean, this is like yeah. an Olympic looking. The whole so, stage was a screen. Was a screen. I mean, like, it is a early Olympics. It, like, the first third of it was showing your face. So, a, a close up of your face, then were your slides, and then it was like who you were and where you represented. And when we made it to Harbin and made it to the hotel, and I saw the, the exhibit, it was, I know, I feel like this was so stupid for me to react this way, but seeing my name. And then Chinese around it was so like, wow, I, I really knew nothing about the language. I, I felt so completely out of place, but our hosts were so hospitable and so accommodating. And the first time we, we got in and we stayed at this hotel that was owned by the Chinese government. And well, it was, well, it is. Everything, so. Everything is owned by the Chinese government. Get down to it. And, um, but it was this beautiful, like my room had a friggin' tub in the middle. It was gorgeous. It was this gorgeous kind of suite that we were, in, that I was in, he was in, all of us were put up, all the rooms were like this. And we get there and immediately we hear a knock on the door and it's our host who's saying, hey, the, uh, the head of the, the hemp program wants to meet you guys and to talk to you. And it was so interesting. We had to go meet him in the lobby and he and his entourage come in with a translator and we're sitting there on sofas, like, you know, sitting erectly, trying to be all proper. And they're talking, speaking to us in Chinese. And then the translators translating mm-hmm. to us, we answer then the translator translates to him. And it was just like, Holy shit. What now are, give me know? an idea of oh what God. he would be that, what his American counterpart resp- job responsibility oh. in the States. Who is this? Is this an FDA person? Is this so a, the, the guy, what level? Um, so it's a little bit different in China when it comes to that sort of thing, but mm-hmm. he was not a government official per se, but he interacts with a lot of them because he operates businesses. And so he definitely was in charge of making sure they got there and mm. setting and running a, this conference. He was like mm. the head of the hemp industry. Yeah, basically. Mm. And also running one of the largest hemp um, operations in China as well mm-hmm. and making products. And so he's making, they're making this big push to allow them to diversify the types of hemp infused basically almost CBD type products you'd expect. Right. And so they had a bunch of products that were on the demo tables and the, the little tables. That are on not on in market and have Well, they're in the market in the U.S. and other right. countries, but, but they I mean, had these like inspection stickers on them for demo purposes. So they could be like, yes, CBD coffee, hemp infused coffee exists. Mm-hmm. This exists. This is, so they had like a collection of all these products that they were saying, you know, we could make these here. Yeah, And uh, so it was kind of an eye-opening experience that they have the capacity to do this, but there's a very <laughs> clear gray area about what they'd be yeah. allowed to do. And they, and again, they would be making it to 
export to other places other that countries. have yes yes usage and, and they're not was, talking about usage within was, their own con- in their own country that was which, one of their questions which is, yeah. gets me a little sketchy how could we produce these products to meet standards in other markets and it was so funny because if people listen to our um while i was there uh rick trojan who is i guess he's the vice president of the hemp industry association here in the u.s he and I did a podcast together, kind of like a China for China kind of podcast. A China what? The <laughs> China, just, yeah, we'll look, we'll drop that. Oh, I won't. We got to pick up at halftime on that. But for okay. China, it was like this little, anyway. Okay. So um, we did a podcast there, and he and I disagreed totally about pretty much everything. Is that right? Regulations, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. standards yeah. of training. And because yeah. to me, I see this as an opportunity for China to do things right that the U.S. has screwed up on. And a lot of my presentation was around patient safety and making sure that they set this up in a way that as they're producing products, you know, they need to be mindful of mm. the consumers and what that they're doing to make sure there's purity, that it's safe, that it's standardized, because a lot of those issues really aren't kind of being adhered to there. And we had an example where we had a client who was using a product that was being exported from China. And we told our client, absolutely don't use this company because we can't find any safety sheets on this company. And come to find out, they were there at the conference and they loved my talk. Jan's That's why cracked me up. Doc Jan is badass, dude. She goes like- to China and tells them, look. Safety needs to be premium with the shit you're producing. And I said, "Hello." And I said it to the guy who was there that it was his company that we referred against. But, but the thing is, is that I loved his openness to it all, and that's really what this is all about: is that we're all trying to come together to do right by people, and they have an opportunity to learn from mistakes of other countries. To try to do this the right way, because they do have the potential of being the largest exporter of CBD sure. products and hemp products. And hopefully they'll do it the right way with regulations. And, you know, the cultural issue that we've been touching upon is, you know, they have a chance to, to learn from others' mistakes. And it's it's hard to imagine what this like is like, because most of us, our cultures have been doing commerce for centuries. They just started doing commerce with other countries in the 1970s right that's when they start like i mean it's hard to imagine what that's like but it's imagine you know just you've never (laughs) done business on an international scale before and understanding um or even just sort of in a frank capitalist manner doing business it's a very different way of thinking offering can we chime in on that just a little bit sure all right make you you they have an opportunity to uh improve on mistakes that were made made in other uh, cultures or other countries. And clearly the elephant in the room is that it's a communist country, uh, or, or yeah. well, it's a communist country. Let's be government owned the government airline, owned the, airline <laughs> yeah. the, the hotel you were in, the yeah. car that got you to the, uh, but the hotel was, uh, uh, rented to the university that rented it to the hotel company. Okay. So, so th- that was owned by the government. So there is a level, there's a small level of free enterprise yes, there that, that perhaps we as Americans didn't think existed there. Oh, I think absolutely. there's a lot. So chime, chime wait, in on that a little Randy, bit. Randy, I think there's a lot more industry, private industry there than we thought. Right. So we kind I kind of came away thinking, we had, and since this trip, we've had a lot of interest from companies 
from abroad interested in talking to us about certain types of products, et cetera. We found that this was really, I, I felt like it was more of a government sponsored, but private industry driven kind of conference. A lot of companies were trying to line up so that they could get ready for this boom. And, and they saw their potential, but really kind of didn't know what to expect with CBD. So from my perspective, I, I have to say, I walked away feeling very differently about China than I did. It was never on my bucket list to go there, but I'm so grateful that I went. I walked away feeling like um, people were so incredibly hospitable. I still have questions about it. It's definitely a different culture, but I think that we've been sold a bill of goods here in the U.S. to think of them a certain way, and I think that they've been sold a bill of goods there to think of us in certain ways. And I came away feeling like we had so much more in common than we did not having it in common. And one of our goals, Jayhan and I've talked about is that we are looking into having, you know, when we set up the research Institute, we set it up with the idea that it truly is an international research Institute. And so we want to have partners all over the world, you know, and we want to have satellites all over the world so that we can do objective research around this. So let me ask you a cultivation question that um, just come to mind. Uh, American pig producers, China is one of their biggest purchasers uh-huh. around the world. So thinking about this industry as uh, an exchange in China, obviously has a huge head start on the volume of hemp they, they produce, but they clearly are not uh, exporting and dealing in certain markets the way America is dealing in their market. Mm-hmm. As a up-and-coming uh cultivator here and people that are carving out stakes in in the United States is competition something that we want being that we're playing catch up uh, how I, dominant well, how, are they a threat you know that's a good that's a good question it depends on what sort of threat you're thinking about um, there's a lot of innovative hemp technology especially when it comes to producing smaller amounts and higher quality quality amounts, they're just starting to experiment with growing plants for CBD. Now they can, for whatever they lack in quality, they'll probably make up for it in volume. You know that. And, but I think that as you know, the global village gets more connected, people are going to want to know the source and quality of these things. So I think they're going to definitely have to figure out how to adapt to these markets where the consumer is more educated. And I think we're going to find, you know, people yeah, are already starting to, Dr. Shan yeah. I mean, you're seeing memes and a lot of articles now telling people don't, I'm not buying CBD at gas stations anymore. Exactly. I'm getting it through this place. And, exactly. and people are getting wise to the products that work and don't work or are not as advertised. So I think it's, it's one, it's, it's good for competition because there's a lot of room for innovation. You know, they were using techniques that are effective, but they're, you know, ancient, right? <laughs> They're still plowing some hemp fields by hand and some use tractors and some don't. Did some use s- a mix. I mean, what are they using to fertilize? Um, that's a good question. What did it smell like? Well, one of the, f- we visited three in the delegation and one actually what we could see of it, because there are these little brick platforms you'd go with a big billboard and that's where the, they had these Bluetooth things where we were getting simultaneous translation while oh. we we're walking around. And 
some of the places had sand or almost like a kind of like a sandy clay spread around the bottom mm-hmm. and a lot around the, like the first couple feet mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it was like kind of wet dirt. Some of it was wet sand. It didn't really seem like the best medium Which um, is what to grow half. I mean, it seemed sure. like kind of like, you know, swampy. So there's yep. plenty of water. Yep. Looks like nutrients. But again, it just seemed like uh, not the best one to grow flowering plants in. But let, let's also say, too, I want to make sure that the listener understands that they are growing CBD. They're growing hemp for primarily industrial use right now. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. And so they're not growing um, plants that are high in THC. It's mostly it's yep. CBD. Right. You know, THC is illegal there. Right. And so it's not, you know, they're not trying to break into the American right. cannabis yeah. market. The they're, highest CBD producing plant, I think, in the conference that was presented, because everyone is like, I'm an agronomist, I grow hemp, this is what it tests at, because the government's all over THC production and keeping it down. You know, they're talking about plants that are producing between like 1% and 2% CBD. Sure. Like, yeah. and the, you sure. know. I mean, from observing the pictures that you showed me the other day, they were huge plants, some of the biggest fan leaves I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about it looked like five footers They're from like where I was. Bigger than his head. Yeah, they were huge. Um, <laughs> yeah. They also had a ton of, and this is just my, yeah. you know, cultivating observation. They had a ton of white fly bites that seemed to me, you know, that you would expect in huge fields like that. Um, but I would also assume these old strains that are hardy and can take medium quality soil, you know, they've, that reflects in that, uh, you know, different than some of the uh, more boutique plants that we see here that probably wouldn't yeah. sustain that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's that environment that, you know, some of the indoor genetics, they've been cultivated to grow under very specific conditions. Right. So, right. I don't, I don't know if they'd have the capacity for that type of intense technical so. labor. Yeah. Because yeah, it's, it's it, just brute force there. It is. Like, yeah. Grow it as is. much hemp as possible, line yep. people up, and yep. just yeah. Well, I have to say though, I think it's the beginning of this. They realized that there was a lot of knowledge that they were lacking, and were interested in doing this. We actually saw something that was pretty fantastic. In fact, it was released in the news. Oregon State University did the news release about the hemp research in oh, China. Yeah. We were there for so the we signing. So we were there for the official signing, and it was like this huge moment. Um, rewind where that. What is there it? was on stage at this at this um, conference, at mm-hmm. the beginning of it, was a signing between the head of Oregon State University's, mm-hmm. uh, one of their departments that are, are producing hemp, with um, this association, this hind- industry association, to kind of do more research together. So they literally had a ceremony, a signing ceremony with music in the background, you know, these women coming up, giving them these official documents that were signed in front of the entire crowd. And it was like this big achievement that China felt. Really? And, and that's some of the stuff that we noticed that there was so much like pomp and circumstance around like. Just what? these wonderful kind of like so. What is going to be? I know. So that they're, what they're is creating be a collaborative research thing. I, I think they were looking towards Oregon State to really help them kind of make sure that their production is doing better and that they're growing and that they're being able to use this from an industrial perspective. 
as well as they can. Improve on, on their improve current on their industry crops. with yep. what Oregon State's yep. research is yep. Plan for okay. the economic impacts of yep. like a new industry Extension. emerging, then yep. crashing, yep. And, then and so the government. Out. I mean, Go obviously, ahead. then the government <laughs> understands that this is an opportunity here for them. You know, this is when the most populous countries in the world. And so if they can help this with fiber, if they can help this with uh, construction, these are huge opportunities for them to begin the beginning of that. And, um, and so the medication aspect of it all was almost like not secondary, but it was just one piece of the pie to a larger picture of the impact of hemp. And, and it was fantastic that we had, um, Chris, gosh, I'm going to forget it. Is it Conrad? Yeah, yeah Chris, Conrad. Chris Conrad was there. And who was that? He is friggin' awesome. You want to so, tell him about? So Chris Conrad is one of like the longtime original cannabis activists. He, he teaches now at Oaksterdam University. He's one of the court qualified uh, cannabis experts. He helped to create. He's an attorney, uh, right? Uh no, no, he's no. a court qualified cannabis okay. expert. He works with a lot of attorneys, attorneys and knows okay. the law very well. But he's a uh, also an author. He's author, authored a couple books, including his most famous one, Cannabis Yields and Dosage, which was like the book on uh, crop production used both by people in the industry and by law enforcement and even physicians until like, the you know, maybe just 10 years ago. I mean, it was used for decades as a very influential, but important document. He, this guy actually... He and his friends in the 70s were responsible for kind of bringing into the consciousness of the U.S. about hemp. They yeah. were literally part of that original grassroots movement of, dude, have you heard of him? Hmm. You know, you can use this for fabric. You can use this for, you know, um, backpacks, shirts. Are you saying he was paid to? to no, he he, he was he, just, he was his, he, at his natural passion. This is yeah, what he, is this. and he was For he was decades. incredible. He mm. was fantastic. And and what I found was that there was such a respect, you know, for us as Americans. I really wanted to show respect to their culture, you know, and and I think we've had so much propaganda on both sides mm -hmm. about you know who Chinese people are and who Americans are, mm -hmm. and uh, I kind of walked away from this whole conference feeling like I had more hope in humanity. Believe It might have been the fact that there wasn't a lot of Trump news going on well, around me, too. But, do it. But, but I will tell you, you know, that people really wanted to do right. So like the head of the hemp industry forum, he was so cute. He was very serious. But one night we saw him after he had had a little bit too much to drink and he was so kind of cute about that and he was just like welcoming all of us you know with open arms it, it was just such a unique beautiful experience and right the food amazing shit we haven't told you about the food all right so before we go because <laughs> i want to hear about that's something we could appreciate coming from new york yeah. we love our our uh our chinese food do you know they don't call it chinese food what do they call it soul food they just call it food <laughs> just food Good you food. have to know that. I, really, <laughs> I swear. I had the best. It's damn also food. I had the best potatoes ever in China. Well, we were in Harbin. Yeah, those the, potatoes. Oh, my uh, God. Like, oh, my God. I mean, they're huge potatoes. McDonald's uses their potatoes. That's crazy. They make up 70% of the frozen potato market. Oh, my world. God. But these serious. potatoes, we had hot pot. We haven't even talked about Chairman Gals. Yeah. Is uh Randy, adventure. you had something you wanted to hit on? Yeah, I was oh well so again, we have perceptions about 
China and um, some being true, some being not true. Right. One of our perceptions is the freedom that we perceive we have in America and that they may not have that in China. Mm -hmm. Um, We do know for a fact that they don't have the same drug problems that we're facing here in the States or we assume that they don't. Um, uh, Was there any observation well, or first off, any... we knew not to take anything not to try <laughs> anything i didn't want to be in Bush a labor nine. camp right. you know but but i will say the alcohol was difficult to come by mm. we went to a bar at the hotel that literally had no alcohol one night. They, had the, they had three <laughs> bottles of spirits what yeah, yeah and like they're like this is a bar i'm like really <laughs> it's like they're like why what does a bar look like in america it's like well usually there's glasses <laughs> so what were they it was a water bar eh, they no, eventually I mean, found a, stuff but yeah, I, my he didn't friend, even know how to open the anything I my mean, friend, wait this funny. is so funny this is a story a true story so my friend um they didn't have any alcohol so we found out that you could order room service to get alcohol even though the bar didn't have alcohol so my friend rick ordered all of this alcohol for his room and then he said by the way I'm on the 42nd floor, which is the lobby. He's like, instead of delivering it to my room, deliver it to me in the lobby. <laughs> and that's how we had alcohol for the night was oh, they really? brought a they whole did. like case of wine and beers. But we they didn't even want to do it. And he had to keep doing, you know, telling them, no, I'm ordering room service. I need you to deliver it here. You know, and, and, this and is that's to, how uh, he's we had talking it. to a liquor store. No, no he's talking to, to the room hotel hotel because who is then. Getting it from well, the bar didn't, didn't have, have it at the at hotel. The bar, so where's their so stash? We had to call room service to get it delivered, and we were all still sitting in the bar. I see. <laughs> so I there were see. a lot of. I so see. this was what I learned about China. And Jay Han, I forgot the exact quote, but you summed it up beautifully. Because um, oh, it's to, a it's a nation of laws, not a lawful nation, <laughs> right? Because like the VPN. Everybody uses a VPN. They know they use the VPN. Some hotels have a VPN yeah. for you. To for use. those who don't know yeah. what it's VPN virtual, is. So it's a like, virtual private network. To make it look like you're connecting to, to the internet in so you, you know New York instead of in China. And so, so you get unblocked from everything. So you can see, you can go on Facebook. You can go check on your Instagram. Email. You, can check your Amer- email. you can look at American you can go porn. Go- Google, Amen. you know. Amen. Oh my God. Excuse me. <laughs> Oh, the latest Chinese couldn't even issue. get Pinterest over there, right? <laughs> so, so, but, but that's the thing, though, Randy, is that everyone knows that they do it. It's almost right. like the government knows that they. I mean, there's no way that they can regulate all of these of people. And so, those were some of the lessons I kind of walked away with. Is that you know, people were just genuinely kind. They loved to host you. They wanted you to feel welcome. It was a little creepy. Mm-hmm. In the sense, like we had a tour the last day we were in Harbin. And, and the reason I used the word creepy was because I didn't know kind of how to interpret it. We get off this van that was we were picked up at the hotel, taken to this compound. We get out of the van and there are like six people standing there in their lab coats welcoming us into this research compound, speak, giving us this presentation all in Chinese. And we had a translator, thankfully. But... It, it was like all brand new equipment. It was shiny. Everything was perfect, but you just didn't see a lot of people there. So you mm. didn't know what had it been used, had it not been used. It, it was just, it was a very different experience. Different experience. I keep thinking, Jay, uh, 
the historical usage of herbal medicine in China and Africa, I mean, goes back the the oldest, you know, and I can't wait to see what they do with, you know, <laughs> with, with, I can't wait to see what well, I'm having. They've been doing, <laughs> they've been doing so much stuff we might find weird with plants. Right. That's just like normal what to, I just did. So we, the, I had to visit an apothecary. I mean, it had these giant crickets outside. It was very like mystic 1980s gremlin film. I mean, it was totally weird. It was all clean and stuff, but it was like really kind of a trip. And they had this really old ancient artwork of people consuming herbs all these different ways. And yeah. one of the ways was them like grinding them up and yeah. snuffing them. And yeah. it was just like, wow. So that's how you take ginseng. Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. why we went to that apothecary. And Jehan and I were so, we were like, it took us a while to realize what it was. And there were these beautiful, beautiful glass painted, like, um, almost like perfume, perfume bottles. Oh, yeah. They have spoons in them. And so you Never treat, you, <laughs> yeah, so you, so you could, of course, put it in a tea or something like that. But, but like, no. literally, this was like, a, this was her specialty. And she had all these recipes of, you know, non- uh, drug plants in a sense, but you know, it's like that you some can lavender, inhale and sniff. There were, er, so basically this was herbal, um, kind of like supplements. So, and it was funny, Jayhan and I like picked the same one that we wanted. So we got it and she, we bought stuff. I bought two different kinds of stuff and you, it's basically Chinese herbs that you snort up your nose and it feels like I'm snorting like, um, the real shit. No. no. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Not Mom, no. I've only heard. No, it's, I feel like I'm snorting my Chinese, ca- like, or like my kitchen you, cabinet, because you, it's like ginseng and shit to birds. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Bay she leaf. was just messing with us. She's like, this is a foot powder. Gonna- <laughs> She's like, silly Americans, they won't know. <laughs> so, of course, Jay Hunter are like, we've got to try this. <laughs> For science and cultural, like so, we learning. brought some back to you and Greer. Oh, uh, we have I'll save like, it for it, Greer. He's it, Mikey. <laughs> Mikey. He likes it. it. He, he likes, likes it. it. He he'll do anything. Um, but it's the funniest thing. Like Jay, I'll take is, a smell at least. Just oh yeah, take a up. smell. It burns because I just I tried don't trust it. You. But it, oh my God. it was so it's, funny. We tried it and we're walking along Beijing like, we've got it. We've got plenty of energy. Maybe this is why I got sick. But <laughs> You'll but know in the morning. But you know what, though? He didn't get it. He didn't get sick. So I don't think it's. I that. don't know whether to eat it or cook with it. or I know. You know. I mean, it's like I could make some really good lamb with this, I feel like. too. It smells like <laughs> ginger gong, the tonic that that the, uh, oh, yeah. you know, the West Indian guy. Yeah. We, we upped, it smells just like that. It's just so amazing. Like, here's this whole culture that for thousands of years have had its own medicine. It's had its own um, kind. In fact, that whole area is where hemp and cannabis came from, you know, except from Tibet. Be really honest about it. Yeah, and they <laughs> use it for everything. So, like, not really only honest. in traditional clothing and yeah. building, um, but also even in their lacquerware, like dishware used to be made from hemp. Like some of the, like the fine china and stuff, the early versions of that the pre- were like pressed hemp covered in lacquers mm. or, or different seed which, oils. Which could very much become relevant here yeah. again. So with our time constraint, just each of you give me one parting either story or experience or what we can look forward to or something that we sh- about the sum up of this this the trip that you 
just had. Oh, well, I would like to give a shout out to the speaker I saw, Philip Gu. He's the CEO of a company, and he was full of ideas about the future. And he most reminded me of a, an American of like going to a regular U.S. cannabis or hemp business conference because he got up there and he's like talking about the history of cannabis. And he's like, it's a millions of years old plant. You know, the dinosaurs ate hemp. <laughs> And then he also said that the first plant to be cultivated by humans on Mars will be hemp. Um, and he had a, was he high? He was talking some shit, huh? He was just. I was impressed. impressed. He woke me up. Good. I mean, yeah. So Good. I thought that was like, so for every like very structured, rigid and agronomist style uh, business person that was there presenting, there was also the, the occasional futurist. Yes. Not afraid to express himself. himself. And, and I, hopefully he is not in a prison someplace <laughs> right now. Doc Chan. Oh my God. You know, I have to say that was such, I, I'm even going to call it a vacation just because it was so different than anything I had ever experienced. I felt so humbled that we had an opportunity to make a difference in a country that's such a huge populous country Word. to really kind of talk about issues related to patient safety, issues related to the endocannabinoid system and how cannabinoids can be used to help other people. And I felt like we had this opportunity really to kind of drive the reason why Jayhan and I are in this business to begin with, and you too, Randy, you know, is to really kind of educate. And I just felt so honored that we had that opportunity. But, um, but I will say that I'm going to, I'm going to say this, my colleague kicked ass over there. He really, he kicked ass. He took names. He was just fantastic. And it was the funniest thing to see him do this speech because everyone was kind of monotone and he was yep. like, bam, bam, bam. Hitting them. And then afterwards, like his little row of uh, fans afterwards wanting to give him his card. And and it was I so cool. It. Dr. J hit him with the tiger <laughs> he style. Did. He did. I he was it. totally kung fuing them. <laughs> yes. And it was the coolest thing. When you give a card, you do it with two hands and you accept it graciously mm. and you bow. And I loved the formality mm. of that. I, I really loved how they were really respectful and as a female and if you know anything about the area you know china has issues with human rights and for women especially they often don't have rights and are overlooked and being like one of the few females presenting there and as a clinician i just felt so honored to have Good. that opportunity let me ask you this part and quick question um and we'll post this picture on our site that table that had the rotating food, what was the best dish that you guys so, – so just to set it up for you folks, the table must have been like nine feet in circumference. And <laughs> there was a guy in the middle of it that were putting dishes up and it rotated and all the folks sitting around were able incredible. to just take what they wanted. So food was Dr. J, the best dish on that. It would um... – Gosh, it have there's a tie, but I would say that the edges out to these, um, I, I guess they're like lamb shanks and lamb ribs. They just had this mm. huge pile of them, mm. and they were so delicately cooked. And it was just like you could just grab one, and the meat fell off the bone. Right? Are those the ones that you uh, kept going back for? Yeah, oh, there was like God. I was like a Neanderthal. 
I'm like, Jayhan, go get more. Jayhan, go get more. Right. Well, and also, this is something, Jayhan, before we left, Dr. Marcus sent this to me like, hey, we might need to bring extra toilet paper. And I was like, that's bullshit. My God, it's trying to throw up. No, you need to have extra toilet paper because some places don't have toilet paper and they don't supply it as a woman you know we're used to sitting on something sometimes it's just the hole in the ground and you just watch and so it it was really a great kind of experience but to me the potatoes potatoes, those were the best those and those ribs the garlic ribs i I came back when i came back from china i went to chinatown here in the city and looking for i did and i got some they weren't as good but they were close yeah and rice wasn't served with a single dish right hey the real thing awesome awesome all right all right my new hemp times folks that was outstanding adventure back from china we're so glad to be back we missed you guys good 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 all right. Well, thanks for listening. And we'll be back uh, in probably in a few days with another episode. Stay tuned.